Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is July 6th, 2020. And with me, as always, is someone who's the cat's meow, my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. She's laughing. Hello. Hello, Jen. She can't speak right now because she's laughing. I can't speak. She's the cat's pajamas. Everything is coming up kittens around here. I was so excited this week to discover that July 10th is National Kitten Day. That's so cute. I think it's a sign. I think it's been a message that's been coming through now that Mercury is going to be moving forward. Venus has moved forward. Might be time. It might be. Do you have any cats that you're currently looking at? We are considering applications and uh, resumes now from prospective kittens. It's hard because I'm so deeply in love with my neighbor's kitten, <sighs> Max. Yeah. And he's just such a cutie. But one thing is actually pointed out to me is kittens are a ton of work. So you came to realize, I don't know yes. if a kitten is the way to go. Well, we're thinking about it. So it either needs to be two kittens, oh, fun. double your fun, or perhaps a slightly older kitty, maybe about two or three, who still has a ton of energy, but is, you know, not necessarily bouncing off the walls 24-7, like a kitten is. Older cats need homes, too. Yes, so we were thinking about that. And perhaps now that some of the shelters and things are opening up a little bit, and it's a little easier to go and experience many kittens or cats at one time, perhaps this will be the week. Excellent. Everything was coming up April and Jen this week, though, because it's also National Cow Appreciation Day on the 9th. Because I am from the dairy state. No, it's because my book has a cow on it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like cows. Cows are so sweet. Yeah. And on July 12th, which is otherwise a very busy day astrologically, and we'll be talking about that, but it is also National Pecan Pie Day. <sighs> My favorite pie. It is well established that we share that in common. It is our favorite <laughs> pie. So any opportunity to celebrate it is right up there for me. I think we talked about pecan pie on our very first episode, April. We did. Because it was Thanksgiving week and we were discussing pie, I remember, on that episode. As you do. Pie goes way back. We had an episode with pie in the title, even. We do. Our bona fides when it comes to pecan pie are well established. Bona fides. We find much to celebrate. <laughs> we find much to celebrate this week with that and so much more. Indeed. So, so much this week, as we said, is going to happen on July 12th. But before we get to that, I know we had a couple of special shout-outs that we wanted to give this week. Happy anniversary, Mom and Dad. 59 years together. 59 years. That's right. That is awesome. And I, I missed my dad's birthday last week. Oh. I mean, to me, it's this week, so it's not like I wasn't thinking about it. Jennifer. <laughs> How could you? Are we on a full name basis now? <laughs> We're on a full name basis. <laughs> April in. Oh, no. Now you sound like the people from my hometown. <laughs> Call me that when I'm in trouble. Oh, so, yes, yeah. but of course, everybody met Jen's delightful parents on an episode of the podcast, which perhaps you know off the top of your head. Taurus, New Moon, and Venus Gone Wild. Episode 22, I want to say. Excellent. 
Well, it was delightful to meet them both. And of course, our listeners, having been introduced to them on that episode, would want to acknowledge and celebrate such a significant milestone anniversary. My goodness. I told them last night when I was talking to them over Zoom, we're going to have to have a big party next year. It'll be 60 years. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Although they've been together two years longer than that even, you know, just dating. Well, their marriage was born the same year I was. It was indeed. Yeah, it yeah. sure was, April. My goodness, just a month before. Yes. Well, I'll be darned. The penny just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Oh. Well, let's celebrate all of it. There's a lot to celebrate. Well, we wish them the best, and we wish your father that we hope he had a wonderful birthday and that they have a fantastic anniversary. I wish them lots of love and many more. Indeed. Yes. Well, on July 7th, we have a curiously quiet day, and I just thought it was worth noting it, that the moon will be void, of course, in Aquarius all that day. I believe we did talk about the void, of course, moon on an episode. Episode 23, Talking Taurus and the Void, of course, moon. Well, this is a day that's just no aspects between anything. Presumably a fairly quiet day. If you've been looking for a day to catch up on some things and to rest and just have a nice day of leisure, that probably is a good day for that. Okay. On the other hand, it would probably not be a great day for initiating a lot of things. That's not the day I'm going to go kitten shopping, for instance, or anything else that you've been needing to get done. You wouldn't want to begin some big new thing on that day. No. But it's a good day to keep other things rolling that are already going along. Exactly. So then on the next day, on July 8th, we have a square between Mercury and Mars. And they come together in a conjunction about every two years. And the last time we had a conjunction between them was last summer. And you reminded me of a significant podcast milestone that happened then. That is when you and I met over email. Yes, in September. September 3rd, I think it was. September of last summer. Yeah, it was at 10 degrees Virgo was the conjunction. Oh, Janet. And it seems like a lifetime ago. It really does. I can't, It really does. It's I kind mean, of hard really to remember does. the pre-gen life <laughs> and the pre-podcast life. Well, Mercury is about communications and Mars does instigate things. Right. So it seems appropriate that we initiated a dialogue that led to the creation of a work project together. Yeah, and that the sun was conjunct them as well on that day. Wow. At 10 degrees Virgo. Powerful. The transiting sun. And do you have anything at 10 degrees of Virgo in your birth chart? 18 and two and a half. And I have the midheaven at 15 degrees of Virgo, and that degree squares my moon. But it occurred to you because you have this amazing facility with remembering numbers. I do have a memory. Which, thank for goodness, numbers. because I do not at all. That in our composite chart, which is the chart that is derived when you sort of put two charts together and come up with a third chart that talks about the characteristics of the relationship between the two people. It's two great tastes that taste great together. It's two, two, two charts in one. And in that chart, in that chart for you and me, my friend, the composite sun is at what degree? 10 degrees Virgo. Isn't that astonishing? That's really amazing. It is. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. Well, you can, I but mean... nobody would believe it. <laughs> Truth is indeed stranger than fiction. So it's just, yeah. we just point this out as a way of 
showing that planetary cycles have a meaning in and of themselves. Mercury coming together with Mars, they can connect with individual charts as transits. They tend to express themselves as they go on, as their cycle unfolds, but they can also connect with composite charts or other kinds of charts and signal that things happen, things develop. And so that's fascinating, though. It's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Mercury and Mars came together at that point that became significant for you and I together then. Yeah, Mars is about working together. It's about projects. Uh, You know, obviously, it can mean other things as well. Yeah. But Mercury and the moon tend to work as timers, as really fine timers. And probably if we looked back, we would see there were slower moving planets, bigger transits, that were evolving in both our charts or that were triggering that composite chart, something was forming, but then it took that quick coming together of Mercury and Mars to really trigger that. So that's fun. That is really interesting. So what about this particular square of Mars? So this is the opening square in the cycle, the synodic cycle of Mercury with Mars. They came together last summer, and then on July 8th at 3.41 a.m. Pacific time, they'll make a square. Mercury is at around 7 degrees Cancer, and Mars is around 7 degrees Aries. We have talked quite a lot about Mars going into Aries, I think, in our last episode. We covered that. Yes. And we know that Mars, once he gets in Aries, is really feeling his oats, and he really wants to move fast. So I was looking at Mercury and Mars together by square, which is a little bit of an aspect where people tend to push things a bit. And this is a square that can get you into a little bit of trouble if you speak impulsively, because speaking is Mercury, Mars is impulsive, or without thinking, or when you're tired, or you're angry, saying things that you wish you could take back later. Okay. And it's also really around July 8th, really remember to use a little more caution when you're doing things like driving especially because Mercury is retrograde. Somebody could be in your blind spot. There are things we don't see necessarily when Mercury is retrograde. So just it's the time of year, and now people are getting out a little bit more and driving places and maybe taking little short road trips or something. Just be a little careful. Just make sure you're really looking around you. Yeah. But Mercury square Mars can also mean if there is something that you were thinking about doing last summer that's of the nature of Mercury, so it can be, again, you know, writing or an idea that you have that you want to do something with, but the timing hasn't been quite right. This might be a time when you feel compelled to do something with it. Right. This is one of three squares between Mercury and Mars. And the first one was on May 11th, and it was at the end of Taurus, and Mars was at the end of Aquarius. This is sort of piggybacking on that as well. Okay, so this is the second of the three squares that they're having, the opening squares. Right. Do you know when the third one is going to be? July 27th. There you go. So just a couple weeks. Coming up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. So again, it's a process. And, you know, really, May was a strange time. Yeah. Saturn was turning retrograde, I think. And we were, of course, in serious lockdown with the pandemic. So we're perhaps not ready to move forward on some things then. And now it might be a little bit of a better time. The Sabian symbols are quite lovely for this combination. What are they? Mercury is at seven degrees Cancer, two fairies on a moonlit night, Hmm. which is very idyllic. And it brought to mind some of the things we were talking about in our last episode. We were reminiscing about Fourth of July, which here in the United States is a summer holiday. 
and thinking about how nice it was running around with sparklers and the twilight. And That's so great. Yeah, so a moonlit night, but also a sparkler lit night or fireflies and those kinds of things. And two fairies. Fairies are nature sprites. So it also goes back to the Sabian symbol 26 Capricorn, which is a water sprite. Ah. And we've had a lot of aspects around that symbol in the last few months. We've definitely talked about that. Yeah. So that's nice. And the Sabian symbol for Mars then is at seven Aries, a man successfully expressing himself in two realms at once. So in both of these symbols, we see duality. Yes. And duality is always, to me, about dialogue. It's one person's talking, one person's listening, they're exchanging views and ideas. You had an interesting connection you made around this Sabian symbol. What this made me think of is when the Minnesota governor speaks and has press conferences, there's a very eloquent ASL interpreter who has drawn a lot of positive attention for her just really beautiful and expressive style. It's gone viral. I know there have been news articles about her. Even in the UK, there's been some stuff about her. So I'll put a link, actually, to the article mm. <laughs> in the show notes if anyone is interested in seeing anything about her. But this made me think of this symbol because there's a way then that the Minnesota governor, Tim Waltz, can speak and be expressing himself in two different realms at the same time. Yeah, that's a really neat connection. I like that. Well, and you know, they both have two also, two fairies and two realms, which makes me think of Gemini, mm -hmm. which makes me think that the North Node is there, mm. and that's our path forward. Right. Good point. Good point. Mercury is turning direct. Speaking of our friend Mercury. Oh, Mercury's turning direct. Yay. On July 12th. The very busy July 12th. So this is the first of the exciting things that are coming your way on July 12th. This week, and that's at 1.26 a.m. here in the Pacific time zone on the Sabian symbol for six cancer, which is game birds feathering their nest. Interesting. It is kind of an interesting symbol. I like the symbolism of feathering your nest for cancer. Very comforting and homey. Uh-huh. Wants to really create that. But they're game birds. and it, Kind of a warning there. <laughs> but it kind of brings in that Mars symbolism, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. From the Mercury square to Mars. Good observation. Yeah. So even game birds need to feather their nests and have a nice little place. Yeah. We've been noticing that in the neighborhood. Is it the crows building nests? Maybe it's just the mockingbirds who are pretty aggressive birds, but it's been really kind of charming seeing them tending their nests and defending their nests with some ferocity and a lot of noise. Sure. So that seems to suit the symbolism. So Mercury turning direct, it went retrograde on June 18th. And we talked about that in episode 30, Cancer Solar Eclipse, your buffering. And that is kind of what it's felt like. How have you felt about this Mercury retrograde, Jen? Because some of them seem worse than others. How have yeah. you felt about this one? It's been going okay. I think when Mercury was in Scorpio, it was more challenging for me because I have so many planets in Scorpio. But the Mercury in Cancer has been okay, I would say. I've been having other Neptune transit things going on, so <laughs> I, I don't know what to blame on Mercury and what to blame on Neptune. <laughs> blame Neptune every chance you get. He's so far away. He's He can't do much. He can't catch up with you and punish you if you blame things on him. How's it been going for you, this Mercury retrograde? It's not bad. It's really not bad. I've barely noticed it. There have been, of course, the odd things here and there. It has been a time when I've been noticing, especially in the last couple of weeks, being more in a process of doing a little more internal work 
to think about what I want to go forward with, especially with my business. Yeah. And really delving into that and thinking about what I want to do. Ooh, very interesting. Yeah, it is. Well, it's been in my eighth house, which is pretty introspective. And I had a very, very busy eclipse season. Yes. And when that started to slow down a little bit and I could catch up, it was nice to also catch up on some rest. And also, as I periodically do, step back and decide what's going to make the most sense for uh, my practice, for my business moving forward, and some of the projects I really want to put some energy into. Oh, that's really great. So Mercury Retrograde has actually been really good for me for that. I haven't noticed a lot of technological problems. I've said to people often with Mercury Retrograde, it really bites us when we're tightly scheduled. Uh huh. When we're trying to work in a way that is We've got tight schedules, we've got planes we have to catch, we have appointments we have to keep, and it's not a lot of time between each one or very little margin for error. He likes to put his jester head on then and stir things up. (laughs) And mess with us. He absolutely does. So I think that because a lot of us are still a little bit off that hamster wheel, we're starting to get back on it a little bit. Yeah. But mostly people's schedules, I think, are a little lighter in terms of schedules. And maybe for all of us, the Mercury retrograde has not been quite as bad. I'm not sure. I'm not hearing from a lot of people with a lot of complaints, as you often do. Sure. So that is Mercury turning direct. We have one less thing to complain about in retrograde (laughs) and to blame things on in retrograde world. Okay. Now, we said that July 12th was a busy day. And the next thing we wanted to talk about is a trine aspect between Sun and Neptune on that day at 11.43 a.m. Pacific time. The last time we had a trine between these two was on November 9th in Scorpio and Pisces. So if you can think back to that time, this might possibly be similar. Generally speaking, this is an aspect that's really nice for music. And even one of the Sabian symbols for this aspect refers to singing. Yeah. There's the prima donna singing is, I think, the sun's degree. Which is where the lunar eclipse was in January mm-hmm. at this degree. So we might pick up a little bit of energy from the beginning of the year, too. Exactly. So this is a nice aspect, as I said, for music, for relaxing, especially near the water, and maybe taking some kind of spiritual retreat, catching up on sleep. The Sun and Neptune came together on March 8th, 2020. That was episode 15 when we talked about that. And do you remember the metaphor that you used, April, for that conjunction? The cat of many colors. Yes. Yeah, and we have this little stained glass window up in the a high window in our bedroom. So we get the, especially the morning sun in there. And our little kitty Spikey, rest in peace, yeah. used to like to lie on the end of our bed and the sun would come through there and He would sort of change colors. And I think my point with that is Neptune has a lot to do with illusion. And just because something looks a different color doesn't mean it's actually changed colors. It can be that it's picking up a color from something else. So I think that was the idea behind that bold metaphor. That was great. That we used then. So Sun and Neptune, basically, this is, as I say, just a really nice time if you're in the Northern Hemisphere And you're in a place where you can get out and 
get into nature and near the water, you know, in a way that feels comfortable from the health point of view. This is a really nice day for it. July 12th. Awesome. And then finally, on July 12th, guess what? What? It's Moonwatch. 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 <laughs> Play it. <laughs> Well, this week, Jen brings us a last quarter moon in Aries at 21 Aries. And what a chart this is. Quite a chart. Oh, my goodness. An intense chart. It is. Tell us about it, April. So the sun at 21 degrees of Cancer is square the moon at 21 degrees of Aries. And then Jupiter and Saturn and Pluto are all over there in late degrees of Capricorn. So that means the sun's making an opposition to Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. And they are all squaring that poor little moon in Aries on July 12th at 4.29 p.m. Pacific time. What does that all mean in English? Well, it's a really good question. We have, it's a lot of energy. It is. <laughs> Anytime you see a lot of oppositions and squares in a chart for something, and we always know a last quarter moon is an energetic point in the lunar cycle because the sun and moon are always going to be square each other. And we are motivated to review what has gone before and measure our progress and see if there are any changes we can make as we're coming into the home stretch to get more out of the aspect, out of the experience. Yeah. So I was referring back to the Cancer New Moon, which was on the day of the solstice on June 20th or 21st, depending on where you live, because this is the last quarter of that lunar cycle that began at that new moon. So again, this is always the time of the month where we look back and we say, okay, how are we doing? Reviewing our progress, not only with the resolutions that we might have made around the new moon, but also just for the year generally. And in particular, I wanted to guide people's attention back to the Aries new moon, okay, which was in March. How come? Well, because this is a last quarter moon in Aries. Uh-huh, okay. And it almost feels as if, especially because... Everything started shutting down and closing down in March. And this might be a time when we're specifically referring back to that time, the Aries time of year, and saying, how are we doing with that? Is there a way now we can make some progress in things that had to get shut down in March? Right. So Aries is an energy of new life, of initiation, of starting things. This could be in reference to the Cancer New Moon point, which was a big solar eclipse as well. We can say, is this a time when where we are reviewing, where we are now, we might say, well, maybe it is time to break away from the old structures, to fly out of the nest nice, and take a more pioneering journey on our own. That's always what Aries would like to do anyway. Yeah, it's the first sign of the zodiac. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit stymied in that effort because of the squares, the blocking energy of the aspects to Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. Yeah, the moon's in the middle of all that mm -hmm. opposition, just trying to work things out. <laughs> like we all are, because things are still very uncertain. They sure are. Everywhere. Yeah. And so to some extent, we're having to follow our own path, you know, mm -hmm. which is always the Aries thing. It's like, well, clearly it's a little hard to feel that we can reliably follow the advice or guidance of practically anyone else. We're all kind of trying to figure out with the pandemic, with the lockdown, with the reopening, with all of it, with the social justice unrest that we've been seeing. We're all trying to figure out what's the path forward? What is the way we can change our patterns in this regard? 
But it's hard because it means rejecting authority. And that's hard. It could be rejecting the ways of our parents, our community, our ancestors, even our country, even the institutions and government of our country. A lot of people have had a lot of questions about the way things have been going. So it's a very dynamic chart. And we've talked before about these, what we call T-squares, where you have planets in opposition to each other and all together they are squaring another planet, which is what we have here. Right. And we have said, look to the missing link, look to the missing leg of the table. The other cardinal sign that is sort of the release point to the energy here. And that is Libra, my friend, my Libran friend. Yes. So if anybody out there has planets between, say, 20 degrees of Libra and the end of the sign, you're sort of feeling the squeeze at this last quarter moon. And you will be the voice of reason who's there as we're all going off on our Aries path and occasionally getting frustrated by the blockages that we encounter and the voices of our families, our ancestors, our government, whatever it is, Libra gets to be the one that arbitrates and says, okay, you've got a point, you've got a point, you've got a point. What is the point where they all meet? Yeah. Libra's good at that. Libra typically is very diplomatic. Mm-hmm. So you get your work cut out for you, Jen, at this last quarter moon. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that sounds really fun. <laughs> and this one is getting my Saturn, so I'm just being one of the blockages in the road, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. You and my poor husband with this sun at 22 degrees of Libra, so you guys will be feeling it this oh, week. Oh, yeah. For sure. So just to clarify, though, April, because the moon is at 21 degrees, so it would be anything a few degrees before that and a few degrees after that in Libra. That's what I was feeling. So like 18 to 24, maybe. I was giving at least one degree orb, what we call orb, which is where you're just off the exact aspect. That would begin at 21 something, eh, let's say 20. And then to the end, because Saturn's at 29 degrees of Capricorn. So you have to get all the way to the end of the cardinal signs before you're off the hook. Got it. Uh Uh-huh. I see. The Sabian symbols for this combination are somewhat connected. The moon is on 22 Aries, the gate to the Garden of Desire. I'm going to have fun creating artwork for that one. That's really nice. What is in April's Garden of Desire? Yes. Ooh, so many things. Kitties, maybe. Kitties. Fifth house things because Aries is in my fifth house. So creativity and pets and all of that delightful stuff. So look to where Aries is in your chart for the gate to your Garden of Desire. Okay. And... Aries is very much a sign of desire. It wants, and it wants it now, like all the fire signs. And the sun is at 22 Cancer, a woman awaiting a sailboat, Hmm. which is one that I like. Is she waiting to get on, or is she waiting to meet someone or something? This is what I'm wondering, because of the gate to the Garden of Desire. So it could be a very interesting last quarter moon for relationships, beginning, ending, getting to some critical moment. And we shall wait and see. Would be a very interesting last quarter moon for kitty interviews. So, again, we may be kicking that particular can down the road for another lunar cycle. (laughs) I guess we'll find out next week. Yes. What is going on with April's kitty world? Indeed. April, I'm curious to know at what point you would consider when are we out of eclipse season? Because we had our last eclipse technically last week. 
Do you think it's at the end of this lunar cycle or has it ended already? I think people differ about this. Okay. And what you'll normally look is what is the fast moving transit that is going to trigger the final eclipse degree at 13, 14 degrees Capricorn and Cancer. Yep. So we're going to look, Mercury's retrograde now, so it'll take a while to turn direct and get back to that point. Mm, I see. And you would look for something, one of those, even the moon crossing over that point can be significant. Yeah. But that's what you're looking for. And you're going to feel, because we had so many at once, and it's a little hard to parse them out when you have three so close together. But the degrees to remember are that 15 degree mutable, which was the first lunar eclipse in Sagittarius, and then zero degrees of cardinal because that was the solar eclipse, and then let's say 14 degrees rounding up for the last lunar eclipse. In Capricorn. Yeah. So I think kind of over the first month or two, you watch these faster moving transits of the moon and Mercury going over those points. All right. Sounds good. Or not. It has been a messy one. <laughs> it's been everything we thought it would be this eclipse season. It really has been something. Yeah. Well, that is everything that we have on our show sheet, my friend. Do you think we have done it? We have done it, and we have made it through 33 episodes. Wow. Huzzah. Yay. Huzzah for the episode. <laughs> Two threes. That sounds good. It does sound kind of good. Yeah. Well, we're talking about duality earlier on in the episode. We sure were. Oh, very nice. So there you are. Very nice. Well, we would like to thank all of you you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and tell a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts for each episode and leave your comments at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. If you find value in the show, please help support it by going to BigSkyAstropod.com and donate a dollar or 20 to help keep the show going. Thank you. Yay! <laughs> Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.